today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. And I mean, every word, it was like, oh. And it's like the Lord said, well, you asked me to do that. I'm doing it. Why are you so surprised? It's like, I mean, it just, it penetrated and it hit and it cut where it needed to cut. All because it's like, Lord, you've got to prepare my heart for that which you are preparing for me. Prepare me for that which you are preparing for me. Prepare my heart, Lord. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Isaiah. It's not uncommon for us to ask for God's help with the struggles of our lives. But have you ever thought about asking God for help with the things He prepared for you? In today's message, Pastor J.D. reminds us of the importance of doing so. God promises challenges in our lives. Why not be prepared for them? Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. But for now, here's Pastor J.D. in the book of Isaiah chapter 40 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. We have before us one of the most encouraging chapters in all of Scripture concerning those who are weak and weary. And by the way, weak and weary are not synonymous in terms. Weak describes the condition of just having no strength or little strength. And weakness is a lack of strength or no strength or little strength, whereas weariness is just exhaustion. And might I even add fatigue, being battle-weary, just tired. (laughs) And so the combination of weakness and weariness is what this chapter is about. And it's about how that the Lord, as only He can, gives us that comfort and strength in those times when we're weak and weary. So two weeks ago we finished chapter 39, and it actually ended the first section of the book of Isaiah. Isaiah is really, eh, some say it's three sections, but let's just simplify it for purpose of discussion and say that it's broken up into two sections. So chapters 1 through 39 is the first section, chapter 40 through chapter 66 is the second section. And it's for that reason that Isaiah has been referred to as the mini Bible, because there are 66 books in the Bible just as there are 66 chapters in the book of Isaiah. And there are 39 books in the Old Testament, and 39 chapters represent the first part of the book of Isaiah. And then the second part, 27 chapters, which we begin tonight from chapter 40 on through to chapter 66, represent like the 27 books of the New Testament, because we're turning a corner tonight in the sense that chapters 1 through 39 were all about conviction 
and chapters 40 through chapter 66 are all about comfort. In fact, that's the first word in verse 1 of chapter 40, comfort. Comfort. Yes, comfort my people, says your God. Speak comfort to Jerusalem and cry out to her that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned, for she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. Ah, cannot think of a better way to start a Bible study than with these first two verses, which clearly speak to the coming Savior, Jesus the Christ, who has paid for and pardoned us for all of our sins. I want to draw your attention to this word double. This is an interesting word. So in that day and at that time, if somebody owed a debt, they would post it on the parchment. And this would be the debt that was owed, the debt outstanding. Now, when that debt was paid in full, they would take that parchment and double it over, folding it in half, and stamp on it, paid in full. You get the picture? That's what Jesus did. He took that sin debt written on that parchment, and it's been doubled, it's been folded over. You've got now the double, and it is paid in full, closed. There's no more debt outstanding, and that is the picture here that is painted on the canvas of this prophecy which is not a prophecy of condemnation, even conviction, but rather comfort and hope. Verse 3, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Wait a minute, that sounds familiar, doesn't it? That's because... John the Baptist quoted this exact verse concerning Jesus. It's recorded for us in the Gospel of John, chapter 1. Let me read verses 19 through 23. Now, this is the testimony of John when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who are you? (laughs) He confessed, and he did not deny, but confessed. I am not the Christ. And they asked him, what then? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? And he answered, no. Then they said to him, who are you that we may give an answer to those who sent us? What do you say about yourself? He said, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness, make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. I love it when God does that. I love God's Word. 
The Old Testament conceals what the New Testament reveals. And spoiler alert, the Old Testament is all about the New Testament. I know that's a deeply profound statement, but the New Testament, the New Covenant, is the covenant in His blood. It's all about Jesus. And we are going to now enter into this second section. Am I yelling? I'm sorry, I'm not. I'll try not to yell. Let me, because people think, what, what are you, why are you so upset? I'm not upset. If you keep saying you're upset, I'm going to get upset. So I'm not upset. But I am excited because we are entering into a section here in this book that is all about Jesus the Christ and the hope, the comfort that is ours, that is theirs. And by the way, they needed this because they would be in captivity in Babylon. They would not fall to the Assyrians as we've seen, but it would be the Babylonians that would take them captive take them to Babylon, and now the Lord is going to speak through Isaiah to them, to Jerusalem, to comfort them, to encourage them, to strengthen them, and to give to them hope. Now let's talk about this preparing of the way. This is going to make more sense here in a moment. Verse 4, every valley shall be exalted, and every mountain and hill brought low. The crooked places shall be made straight, and the rough places smooth. The glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Okay, stay with me on this. In the literal sense, this is what they would do to prepare the way for the coming king. They would have to level out the road. So if there was a place where it was unlevel, and we've got to prepare the way for when the king comes, so we've got to even it out. We've got to raise it up here. We've got to lower it down here. We've got to straighten it out there to prepare the way for the king. That's what this is saying in the literal sense, but it also has a spiritual application. And the spiritual application is that so too do we have to prepare the way in our hearts for the King of Kings. Prepare ye the way. You know, I was uh, thinking about this recently. Before I entered the pastorate, Uh, I would always pray before church that God would prepare my heart ahead of time for His Word, so that my heart was supple, and so that the seed of God's Word would be able to plant and take root. And so I'd always pray, Lord, prepare the way, prepare my heart for your word. And I got to tell you that when I would do that, there was always a hypersensitivity to what the Spirit was saying through the word of God, as I sat under the teaching 
of God's Word, simply because I asked the Lord to prepare me. And it was, oh my goodness, it was like that teaching was just for me. Nobody else had to show up at that Bible study because the Lord, it's like the Lord was saying, wait, did you just pray for me to prepare your heart for the teaching of the Word? Okay, you're, you're going to get it now. I mean, in a good way. And I mean, every word, it was like, oh, And it's like the Lord said, well, you asked me to do that. I'm doing it. Why are you so surprised? He's like, I mean, it just, it penetrated and it hit and it cut where it needed to cut. All because it's like, Lord, you've got to prepare my heart for that which you are preparing for me. Prepare me for that which you are preparing for me. Prepare my heart, Lord. The voice said, verse 6, cry out. And he said, Isaiah, what shall I cry? Here's what you shall cry out. All flesh is grass, and all its loveliness is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades, because the breath of the Lord blows upon it. Surely the people are grass the grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. In other words, people deteriorate outwardly. We decay day by day. (laughs) Seems like more so as you get older, but inwardly we are renewed day by day. And what Isaiah is to cry out is that everything is passing away, but not one word in my word will pass away. My word stands and endures forever. The Apostle Peter actually quotes this verse, uh, verse 8, and in so doing he makes this magnificent application as it relates to how we treat one another, and how we love one another. It's in First Peter chapter 1, verses 22 through 25. Since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit in sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart, having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible, through the Word of God, which lives and abides forever, because all flesh, here it is, is as grass, and all the glory of man as the flower of the grass. The grass withers, and its flower falls away, but the Word of the Lord endures forever. Now, this is the word which by the gospel was preached to you. We're going to read later on, my word will never return unto me void. The word of God is like fire. It penetrates. You know, here's the thing. (laughs) You can speak the Word, share the gospel with someone, and walk away from that and think to yourself, man, that just went in one ear and out the other. Oh really? You have no idea. Because see, the Spirit of God, through the Word of God, 
ministers to the people of God. See, the Holy Spirit takes the Holy Word and He penetrates the heart, because God sees the heart. He knows the need of the heart, and He knows exactly what it is that that heart needs to hear. That's why it is that sometimes you'll be sharing the Lord with somebody, or even just encouraging somebody, and you know it's not you. You you know it's the Holy Spirit speaking through you, because as you're speaking, you're going, wow, this is really good stuff. (laughs) This is not me. Man, I wish I could record this, because this is really good. It can't be me. That's the Holy Spirit. And sometimes the person that you're speaking to and sharing the Word with, or the Gospel with, they will look at you with a look like, how did you know? Know what? Many years ago, this is back on the mainland, I always use illustrations from the mainland, not here, for what I think would be deemed obvious reasons. So I'm preaching my heart out and teaching the Word, and afterwards I had somebody come up to me and and they were really upset with me. And I'm like, man, you know, I just, what, was it something I said? <laughs> they were like, how did you know? I'm like, what are you talking about? Did somebody call you? I'm like, no. About what? It's like, you didn't know? No. Well, as it turns out, I'm teaching and the Holy Spirit It was a word of wisdom, a word of knowledge that the Holy Spirit fine-tuned to that sister's heart to hear exactly what she needed to hear. And I had no clue. I'm just clueless. I'm like, (laughs) you know, I'm just, I'm just up here going. I mean, you must have heard a different sermon than the one I preached. I always know that's the case because the Holy Spirit does that. Thank God the Holy Spirit does that. He takes the teaching of His Word, and as it leaves my lips as the mouthpiece, as the vessel, He fine-tunes it to the need of your heart. I had no idea. In fact, if I could be so uh, candid and open with you, I didn't even remember her name. And she thinks that I knew what happened last week. And I said from the pulpit, exactly what she needed to hear about what had happened that week. No, that was the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, speaking through the Word of God to the people of God. That's the Word of God. It endures forever. Verse 9, O Zion, you who bring good tidings, Get up into the high mountain, O Jerusalem, you who bring good tidings. Lift up your voice with strength. Lift it up. Be not afraid. Say to the cities of Judah, Behold your God. Behold, the Lord God shall come with a strong hand, and His arm shall rule for Him. Behold, His reward is with Him, and His work before Him. He will feed, verse 11, His flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs with His arm, and carry them in His bosom, and gently lead those who are with young. You know, in the New Testament, Jesus is the Good Shepherd, 
the great shepherd and the chief shepherd, and he's gentle. You know what this speaks to? This speaks to how Jesus, as the good shepherd, gently carries the weakest among us close to his heart, his bosom. You know, if you put him over the shoulder, that's, that's the shoulder for strength. When you put him close to your heart, that's for comfort. They can hear the heartbeat. You know, uh, before our first son was born, we read all the books on parenting. I mean, we thought, we're going to be perfect parents. And then our first son was born. I think we had a book burning party after that. <laughs> but all of these books on, you know, bonding and, you know, they had this uh, over the shoulder baby holder. We called it a womb with a view because <laughs> it sort of simulated the womb and the baby's head was right by the heart and it would soothe them and calm them and settle them. And also when babies don't sleep, that's one way to get them to sleep because they feel so comforted and secure. And the tightness of this, it just it sort of mimics that security of the womb. And so when we had our first son, I wore him a lot. I was a very secure man. I would go to the store and I, you know, I dressed up and I had my son in this thing and everybody's looking at me like, are you a man? <laughs> yes, I am, as a matter of fact. I'm a very secure man, as a matter of fact. But I carried my son and I wore him and to this day, the bond that I have with my son is so strong, so strong because of that. And that's what the picture is here. He, he carries us close to his heart to comfort us, to settle us, to secure us. Verse 12, kind of turn a corner here. Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand? Um, you? Correct. That is the correct answer. Measured heaven with a span and calculated the dust of the earth in a measure. Weighed the mountains in scales and the hills in a balance. Who's done that? The Lord's done that. Uh, what's happening here? Well, this is what's known as an anthropomorphism, which is a way of speaking about God in human terms for us to better understand. So we say the heart of God, the hand of God, the mind of God, as we're going to talk about in a moment. These are all anthropomorphic terms so that we can have a better understanding of God. Because you've got this problem of an infinite God trying to reveal Himself to finite man. How's that possible? You have to, you, the finite cannot contain the infinite. So God sort of comes down to our level and speaks in terms that we can understand. The heart of God, the hand of God. Here God is saying through Isaiah that I measured the waters in the hollow of my hand, all of the waters of the earth. 
in the hollow of my hand. We're so glad you joined us for this edition of In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. If you think that the gospel is only in our first four books of the New Testament, you'll quickly learn through this book of Isaiah that the gospels mentioned throughout. It must have been interesting for Isaiah to write the things he did in the course of his life. He was a prophet used by God who lived while several kings of Judah reigned. From their outright wicked behavior to a king like Hezekiah, Isaiah experienced the people living in rebellion and then turning toward God, realizing their need for him. God used Isaiah in a mighty way to influence these kings and to speak to them about what was yet to come. God can use you in the place you're at today as well. It may not seem as influential or powerful of a position, but God has you right where he wants you, to use you in the place you are. Are you involved in a local church? If not, we invite you to join us at Calvary Chapel Kaneohe. We meet on Sundays at 8.30 or 10.45 a.m. and Thursdays at 7 p.m. for Bible study with Pastor J.D. You can get directions at our website, calvarychapelkaneohe.com. While you're there, be sure to check out Pastor J.D.'s additional teachings as well as his Mideast Prophecy Updates, an accurate look at what the Bible has to say about this time in our world. That's all we have for today, but thanks for tuning in to spend this time with us. We hope you'll join Pastor J.D. for our next edition as we learn more valuable things from this interesting book of Isaiah, right here on In Spirit and Truth. La, la, la.